Okay, starting from the bottom of Haftalad, Amid Beis 24b, the Gemara tells us, if you have a talus, a tunic wrapped around your waist and covering you from the waist down, you're permitted to say Kriyashma. Tanya Namiyachi, we learned in a price like this as well. You have a talus made out of any type of garment at all, any type of cloth, you are permitted to say Shema as long as it covers you from your waist down. But when it comes to until you cover your heart. Rashi explains that when we say we are standing in front of the king, we are standing in front of Hashem. Standing in front of the king, you have to go in mat in a manner of clothing that is fit for the king, therefore you have to cover your whole body. When you're saying Shema, you're not standing in front of Hashem, and therefore, at least in an unideal situation, you are permitted to do so as long as your erva, your nakedness, is covered. says, If someone forgets that they are wearing their tefillin and they walk into the Besakise, walk into a bathroom, not just are they holding it in their hand, in this case we're talking about they're actually still wearing it. You put your hand on top of your tefillin until you finish using the restroom. Is it possible that you should just stay in the bathroom with your hand on top of your tefillin until you finish using the restroom? You have to say until, like the opinion of Rav Nachman Yitzchak, until you finish with the first bit of relieving yourself. Why don't you stop right where you are, but him and stand up immediately? Because we are concerned for the concern of Rav Shemil The Tanya we learned in a bright Rav Shemil says, Maybe if someone is in the middle of going to the bathroom and they feel it coming out, and then they stand up and pull it back into themselves, so to speak, they will cause themselves an illness, some sort of intestine, intestinal disease. If someone is in the middle of urinating and they pull it back into themselves, they will cause themselves to get jaundice or some sort of urinary tract disease. Let's say someone has dried fecal matter on their body or if their hand is sticking into a bathroom. Rafuna says they are permitted to say Kriyashma in that state. Rafuna says it's forbidden to say Kriyashma in that state. Amar Rabbah says, What's the reason of Rafuna's opinion? It says you're permitted to say Kriyashma. It says, All of these souls will bless you. Rashi explains this means that the souls will bless you, which is referring to the mouth and the nose. So therefore, as long as the mouth and the nose are ritually clean, or not ritually clean, but at least are clean, you are permitted to say Shema. Rav Chizda, Rav Chizda says, Asr Likris Kriyashma. It says, it's forbidden to say Kriyashma. My time in Rav Chizda, what's the reason behind Rav Chizda's opinion? All of my bones will call out to you, Hashem. So that is including your entire body has to be clean if you are speaking the words of Shema. Let's say you have Reach ra, a bad odor, foul odor that has something substantial, something tangible behind it. In other words, it's not just the, uh, say, someone passing gas, it actually is coming from a substance. Ravuna, says, You should walk four amas away from the actual substance and say Kriyashma. Ravuna says, You walk four amas away from the place in which it no longer smells bad, and then you say Shema. You're not permitted to say Shema if you are in front of the fecal matter of a human, fecal matter of a dog, fecal matter of a pig, and not in front of fecal matter of a chicken. So Tysus explains we're not referring to fecal matter of one chicken, we're referring to fecal matter of many chickens in which it causes a terrible smell.
And not next to the fecal matter of an ashba, of a garbage dump. In all these cases, it is ra, it is a bad smell. However, if the space that has a bad smell is ten tfachim higher than you or ten tfachim lower than you, it's considered to be a different rishos, a different domain. Then, you could sit right next to it and you can say kriyashma. However, if you're in the same level, same plane, then you have to go as far away that you can no longer even see the thing that is emanating the smell. However, if you have a reach ra that comes from some substance, a bad odor that comes from a substance, you have to go four amas past where the smell has no longer even reaches, and a proof to the opinion of Rav Chizda, that it's not enough to walk four amas away from the actual item. It's causing the smell, you have to walk four amas past where the smell has reached. Rava says that Allah does not follow this, this b'risa. Why? Well, rather, what we learned in a different b'risa. So it is not true that when it comes to the tzaya, the fecal matter of a pig, the fecal matter of a dog, that it is forbidden to see Shema if it's just the fecal matter alone. It actually has to be the fecal matter together with a R, together with a... Is Together with... has to be fecal matter together with a R, together with a leather... Together with leather that is actually being placed in to be tanned, so it has a bad smell. So it's both of those together that creates a, a issue that you can no longer say Shema, but not when they are not together. So we bring a proof from a Brisa. And it says, In a case in which you put the iris, the leathers inside them mixed together, then you're not permitted to say Shema. They ask the question of Rosheshes. Let's say someone has passed gas. Are you permitted to say Shema or not? Mahu. He said, Come look at the mats, the reed mats in the house in the base measures, right? Because the, the yeshiva students were sleeping there and learning there at the same time. The Hanuganu, the Hanigarsi, there were people sleeping and people learning. And they were learning even though people were sleeping right next to them. And Rashi explains this means that when people are sleeping, they pass gas. And if they pass gas, if indeed it was not permitted to learn Torah, when someone passes gas, they would not be permitted to learn Torah in this close proximity to people who are sleeping. Clearly, from the fact that they were learning Torah, you are permitted to learn Torah when someone has passed gas. But that's only true when it comes to learning Torah, you're permitted to do when someone has passed gas. When it comes to saying Shema, Allah, you're not permitted to do so if someone has passed gas. And when it comes to learning Torah, you're also only permitted if it's your friend who has passed gas. But if you yourself have passed gas, you are not permitted to learn Torah in the proximity until the odor has dissipated. Itmar. Let's say Tzaya is passing by in front of you. In other words, there is a vessel which is holding Tzaya, holding fecal matter, and someone carries it in front of you. Abaya says you're permitted to say Shema as long as it's just passing in front of you and not sitting in front of you and not staying in one place. Rav Amar Rav says also Rav says it's forbidden to say Shema even if it's just passing in front of you. Amar Abaya says Aminullah. How do I know that which I statement that I made that you're permitted to say Shema? It's not we learned in the Mishnah. You have someone who is ritually impure due to the Metzira disease, right, the spiritual leprosy disease, and he's standing underneath a tree with many branches. And someone who is ritually pure walks by that tr- underneath that same tree. Tame. If the Tahar person is walking and the Tame person is standing still, then the person who is, was Tahar, was ritually pure, becomes ritually impure. Tahar ilan. You have someone who is ritually pure standing underneath the tree. Tame over. And the person who is ritually... And the person is ritually 
impure is walking by, tahar, then the person who is standing is still tahar. But if the person who is walking by and was ritually impure steps, and sorry, stops underneath the tree, then the person who was originally pure now becomes impure as long as he stops. And the same halacha follows when you talk about a stone that's contracted ritual impurity. If it's actually remaining in the same oil, in the same tent as someone else, then it can make them ritually impure. But if it is not and it's just passing through, it does not make them ritually impure. Abayah says, this is my source, that just passing through is not the same thing as staying still. Rabbah Amalekha Rabbah, who says that it's still forbidden, he says you can draw a very clear distinction between these two cases. Hasam, so when it comes to the tzaras spreading and helping and other people contracting ritual impurity as well, then the Torah itself tells us that this is dependent on a question of is it actually sitting there on a permanent basis? Then it can make other people impure. Because it says about Saras, that he should sit alone outside the, outside the encampment. Only if it is, that is actually his his dwelling place does he make someone ritually impure. If it's not about dwelling place, it does not make someone ritually impure. That is a limitation in the rules of leprosy, of Saras. But over here, when it comes to something which is dirty, a fecal matter, it is forbidden to say Shema in front of it. It says that your encampment should be holy. And the fact is, whether it's passing through or whether it's sitting there in one place, either way, it's become a dirty place and therefore you are not permitted to say Shema. Papa says, The snout of a pig is the equivalent of a fecal matter passing in front of you. This is obvious. Even if it is right immediately prior to this come up out of a river, we still say that since he, he roots around in fecal matter the whole day, it is still considered the equivalent of Tzaya passing by. If you have a doubt about Tzaya in the region, you, in the close proximity, you are forbidden to say Shema. If you have a doubt about of urine in the, in the region, then it's for, permitted to say Shema. Another version would be that Rehuda says, If you have a doubt about Tzaya, about a fecal matter in a house, it is permitted. If you doubt about a garbage dump, it is forbidden. If you have a doubt about fecal matter in a garbage dump, then you are even then you are permitted. He agrees to the opinion of Ravamnuna. Ravamnuna says, The Torah level is only forbidden to say Kriyishma. Directly opposite someone who is currently urinating at the moment. And also, like the opinion of Rabbi Yenison, Rabbi Yenison Rami, Rabbi Yenison asks a contradiction. It says, <coughs> and you should go outside of the machana when you have to go to the bathroom. And it also says, It also says that when you go out of the, of the encampment, you have to take your some sort of tool to cover up whatever you're leaving behind. So, how do we differentiate? We say that kan begadayim and kan begatanim. In one case, you have to cover up what you left behind. That's referring to fecal matter. Fecal matter is not enough to go out of the mechanic. You also have to cover it up. But in the case of ketanim, of urine, it is enough to just go out of the encampment and you don't actually have to cover it up. So we see that on the Torah level, the only thing the Torah forbids to do of kedusha, of holiness, in front of urine would actually be while the person is actually in the process of urinating. But if it has already landed on the ground, then it is permitted to learn Torah and daven in front of it. And only on a rabbinic level, only on a rabbinic level did they forbade doing things in front of a, a collection of urine. When it came to this enactment that the rabbis made, they only made it when it was for sure 
urine, but when it was a suffix, if there's urine daffle, if there's urine there in the first place, they did not make it forbidden at all. And when it came to something which certainly is there, up until when do we say that the urine having been there is still forbidden to say Shema? The entire time that the urine is still moist, then it makes it forbidden to learn Torah or say Shema. How long does it, is it forbidden to do it? The entire time that the Urine is still moist. His third opinion also says the same thing the entire time that it is still moist. He says it's not about being moist, rather it is about is Rishuma Nikar. It is is it obvious that this was urine here before? Yesu says, Hashem should forgive Geneva for his mistake that he made. <coughs> when it comes to even tzaya, fecal matter, that is forbidden on a higher level, Allah was that as soon as it starts drying out, you are permitted to say Shema in front of it. So if it's Meiraglayim, if it's urine, which is even a lower level of dirtiness, so for sure it's permitted as long as it dries out. says, Why did you rely on that, Baisa, which seems to say that as long as the tzaya starts drying out, it's permitted, in which case urine would of course be permitted if it's drying out. But there's another Baisa that says differently. Samachaha, rely on this instead. Even if it is currently in a state of like similar to pottery, it is still forbidden to say Shema in front of it. What does it mean, state like pottery? The entire time that if you would take this, if you would take this tzaya and throw it, and it would not crumble, then that is considered to be in a state of it is still going to be able to be something that would forbid you from saying Shema. Another opinion, what does it mean? If it is in a stage that you can roll it and it will not crumble into dust, then it is still in a stage where it is able to forbid you from saying Shema. And it, according to those two opinions, if it's dried up, then it's not, necessarily, it's not necessarily permitted right away. So we wouldn't necessarily know that urine dried up is being permitted. I was standing in front of Yehuda Redifti. And I saw Tzaya. Amrali said to me, He said that the halach is that we follow the opinion, check if it, if it has become crusted on top or not. And if it has, then you're permitted to say Shema. Other people say, This is what he said to him. Check if it has developed cracks on top. It has become so dried out that it already is cracked on top. If so, then it's permitted to say Shema. If not, it is not. What is the halacha? End of the day. The halacha is that if it's a situation of tzayah, which has become like charas, like pottery. In other words, it is, no, it, is still, it is still solid enough that it will not crumble if you throw it or roll it. A meimer says it is still forbidden to say Shema. Amar Zitra, Amar says it's permitted. Amar Rava says the halacha is that if tzayah, is like cheres, it is forbidden to say Shema. But if it's Meirag Laim, if it's urine, then the entire time that it's still moist, it's forbidden to say Shema. Mesa, we ask a question. Meirag Laim, Kozman Shema Tvichen, Asurin. Meirag Laim, the entire time that it is still moist, it was forbidden to say Shema in the area. Nivlu, Ayyivshu, if it has been absorbed or if it has evaporated, Mutaris is permitted to say Shema. My love, what do we say? Nivlu, Dumyav, Diyavshu, my Yavshu, the Enrishum and Nikar, Af Nivlu, the Enrishum and Nikar. So you see from here, that we're comparing being absorbed to evaporating. The same way when it evaporates, it's gone totally. So too, when we talk about being absorbed, we mean it is completely gone. And the implication is, harishum and nikar, but if it was obvious that this had been urine here previously, also it would be forbidden to say Shema in the area. Even though it is no longer 
moist enough to make anybody no longer moist enough is still forbidden to say Shema. But according to your reasoning, flip side, now we're flipping the question back. In the beginning of this rice, the beginning of the rice, it says, the entire time that it is still moist, who the Asr that is, that is when it's forbidden to say Shema. But as long as, even if it is no longer moist, even if it is still visible that it, there had been urine here, then it is permitted to say Shema. So we have contradictory inferences from this price. So the ratio seems to imply as long as it is dried up, even if you know that it was here, you're permitted. The seva seems to imply that even if it was dried up, as long as we know it was here, you are forbidden. You can't infer either way. Let's say this is really like a machlekes tanaim. A vessel which spilled out from it, a vessel which had been used as a container for urine, and now it's spilled out from it. You cannot say kriyashma in front of that vessel. But when it comes to actual urine that has spilled out on the floor, if it has been absorbed, it is permitted to say shema. But if it has not yet been absorbed, it is forbidden to say shema. Rabbi says that in the entire time that is still wet. And the Gemara asks like this, what is this absorbed and non-absorbed that we say the Tanakhama is referring to? If we say that we call it nivlu, that it was absorbed, well, all we mean to say is that it is no longer moist. So we say it has not been absorbed, that it is still moist. And then Rabbi Yesi would be coming to say, the Asr, Harishuma Nikar, Shari. Then Rabbi Yesu will be coming to say, the entire time that it is still moist, then it is forbidden. But if the if there are still signs that it is here, but it is no longer moist, then it would be permitted. Then Hainu Tanakama, that ends up being the exact same opinion as Tanakama. As long as it's moist, it's forbidden. If it is if it is no longer moist, but it, you still see it's here, then it's permitted. That would be the exact same opinion as Tanakama. So we're gonna have to change something. Ella, Nivlu, Dein. When we say nivlu, what we mean is that you can no longer even see that anything was here. Loi nivlu means that you could still see something was here. So the Tanakhama says that even if you could just tell something was here, it's still forbidden. Whereas Rebiyasi is coming to say the entire time that it is still moist, it is forbidden. But if it's just that we know it was here, then you, indeed you are permitted. Loi. Umar says it's not necessarily that machlekes. Machlekes might be differently. Everybody agrees that as long as it is just Rishuma Nikr, it is permitted. And it's only while it's still moist that is forbidden. So what's their machlekes? What they're arguing about is like this. Is it, does it have to be moist enough that if someone would touch it, there would be so much moisture on their hand that if they touch someone else, the other person would become moist? Or does it just have to be, and, and only then is it still forbidden, but once it becomes just moist, but not moist enough to leave residue on someone else's hand, enough to moisten, then it would be permitted. Or do we say that no, even if it is just moist enough that someone else who touched it will become a little bit wet, but not enough, wet enough to impart moisture to someone else, that is also still forbidden. That is the Rabbi and the Tanakama. Yorah Litvah, we're quoting the Mishnah now. The Mishnah says that you go on down into the mikvah too. Go to the, go to the mikvah and you realize that it's time to say Shema. So if you're able to get up out of the mikvah and get dressed before Zneitzachama, before sunrise, then you should do that. If you're not going to be able to do so, then you should stay in the mikvah with your body covered and say Shema right then. The Gemara says, we had a machlekes tanayim. What is the time period that you're supposed to say the morning Shema? Up until sunrise? Or are you even supposed to say it up until three hours into the day? So Aris Mishnah, which seems to be referencing the latest time as being sunrise, seems to be like the opinion of Rebbe Liazer. So, the Gemara says, Lema, Tana, Stama, Ki Rebbe Liazer. Seems to be like the Stam Mishnah is going like the opinion of Rebbe Liazer. The Amar Adin who said that it is up until Neitzachama that you're permitted to say Shema and not later. 
this could even be going with the opinion of Rabbi Yeshua. So why do we say that you should make sure that if you can't say it before Nates, that you're not going to be able to get up before Nates, then you should just say it in the mikvah. So with Dilma, maybe we're going to the opinion of Rabbi Yeshua, you can really say it up until three hours a day. Who are we talking about here? Kivasikin. We're talking about the people who are very careful and very diligent with mitzvahs. Those who are zealous with mitzvahs would finish the Shema together with Nitzachama. So not necessarily that they have to finish it by then, but we're talking about that kind of person who is he tries to do it, so then it's even important for him to do so while he is in the mikvah. The Mishnah told us that if not, you can't make it out of time, then you should cover yourself with water and say Shema. What do you mean? Your heart is going to be able to see your nakedness in the water. We're talking about cloudy water. And since it's cloudy water, the it's as if there is ground in between you and and your nakedness. Because then your heart will no longer be able to see your nakedness. If you have cloudy water, you're allowed to sit in it up until your neck and then say Shema. I'm sorry. If it's not cloudy water, it's clear water. Some people say you could sit there and say Shema. Other people say And other people say you have to mush it around with your legs so that it becomes cloudy. According to the first opinion, if it's clear water, then your heart can see your nakedness and therefore it should be a problem. He says that no, seeing your heart, your heart seeing your nakedness is permitted to say Shema. It is only when your head can see your nakedness that it's not permitted to say Shema. What do you mean? But your heel is able to see your nakedness, right? The other parts of your body are able to see your nakedness. Why isn't that a problem? Who told you that your heel being able to see your naked part of your body is a problem? If your heel can see your nakedness, it is permitted. However, if your heel is actually touching your nakedness, it's forbidden to say Shema. Zid said this, Right, this statement like this. said it differently. If it's actually touching it, everybody agrees that it's forbidden. If it just sees it, says it's forbidden to say Shema. Rav says just seeing it is permitted to say Shema. The Torah was not given to angels. In other words, Hashem does not ask us to do things that are beyond our capability. And Allah at the end of the day is Negeya Asr if you're if another part of your body is touching your erva, your nakedness, then you're not permitted to say Shema, Raya Mutter. If you're just another part of your body is able to see your nakedness, in other words, you're not fully covered up on but your body, your top half of your body cannot see the lower half of your body, you're permitted to say Shema. You have a fecal matter in a glass jar, you're permitted to say Shema opposite it. Let's say there's something nakedness in front of you, but it's on the other side of a glass of a glass container, a glass wall. Then it's forbidden to say Kriyashma opposite it. When it comes to Tzaya, even if it's on the other side of a glass thing, you're permitted to say Shema. Why? Because when it comes to Tzaya, what we look at is, is it covered up? It's covered up from you. It's in a separate area. But when it comes to something naked in front of you, on the other side of the glass thing, you're forbidden to say Kriyashma. Why? It says you should not see Hashem, we should not be able to see in you a naked thing. So, Amr Rahman, and you are able to see this naked thing. Whether you can see it through glass or not, you're still able to see it. Amr Abaya, and therefore, not, and therefore it's not permitted to say Shema, even if something is naked on the other side of a glass see-through uh, transparent material. Amr Abaya, Abaya says, If you have a tiny bit of Tzaya, dried up Tzaya on the ground, you can nullify it with Reik, with your spit. Amr Rav, Rav says, We're talking about thick spit, some sort of phlegm that will be able to nullify this dried up tzaya. 
If you're walking down the street and there is tzaya, there is some sort, some fecal matter beguma and some sort of depression in the street. You put your foot down on top of it with the sandal, and then you could say shema because it's covering up the hole. But mar Let's say there is tzaya which is actually sitting flush up against your sandal. Are you permitted to say shema or not? Take you. You want to answer that question? If a naked non-Jew, you're forbidden to say Krishna opposite him. My area Akum, where it says, what do you have to tell about specifically a non-Jew? I feel Yisrael Nami, even if it's a Jew who is naked, you're not permitted to say Shema. Yisrael, Shitale. Yisrael is obvious to us that it's forbidden to say Shema in front of him if he's not dressed. Ella Akum, it's Trichale. The Gemara said, we only needed to tell you this about an Akum, a non-Jew, that if a non-Jew is naked, you're not permitted to say Shema. Ma'o the Tema, what might I have thought to say? Since it says about a non-Jew, Asher, it compares them to donkeys. Maybe a non-Jew is considered like a donkey. In the same way, a donkey that's not dressed, you're allowed to say Shema Maybe you're allowed to say Shema of a non-Jew who is not dressed. It's teaching us that a non-Jew is also called naked. Non-Jew is also called nakedness. And we actually bring a proof to this from the Torah. Because when we're talking about Noah and his sons who are looking at him, so we say that Cham looks at Noah's nakedness, but we say that Shem and Yafes do not. And they do not see the nakedness of their father. Now, their father is a non-Jew, and we're still calling it Erva. So we see that non-Jew is also called Erva. And it says that you should not cover yourself with Dirty water or with laundry water until you put into it mayim water. The kama maya rami va'azal. How much water can you put into it? Really, what's telling is like this. You cannot use it at all. Even if you put water into it, it's not going to help. However, when it comes to meraglayim, to urine, and then you put some water into it, then you can actually say kriyashma. Tanarabanan. How much water do you have to put into it? Kolshu, just a little bit. Ravzake and Ravzake says, Revias, you have to put in Revias of water, something between two and a half and five ounces. Amar Rev Nachman, This is a dispute. When, what we're talking about is if the urine was already there and now afterwards you want to put water in, how much water do you have to put in? But if the water came before the urine came, as long as there's even a tiny bit of water, that will already nullify the urine. Yesus says the exact opposite. This whole dispute about how much do you need is only talking about if the water came first. But now you're talking about after the urine's here, you want to nullify the water. I'm sorry, you want to nullify the urine with the water. Everybody would agree that you need a whole Revius to nullify it. Yesus said to his attendant, Yesus tells us in a story that he tells his attendant, I need to bring water, you need to bring me some water so I can nullify urine. He says, I need a Revius, like the opinion of Rebzake, that we need a Revius. You have a chamber pot and you have a pot that is used for urine. So either one. You're not opposite. And even though there's nothing in it, they're completely empty. When it comes to actual urine, not just the chamber which holds the urine, but a urine that's actually in front of you, it's not permitted until you put water into it. How much water do you have to put in? Even a kolshu. Whether the chamber pot is on your side of the bed or whether it's on the opposite side of the bed from you, you're still not permitted to 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 until you put some water into it. I'm assuming Gamliel says 
unless it's on the other side of the bed, you can say Shema. But if it's on your side of the bed, you cannot say Shema. You have to walk four Amas away from it and then say Shema. Even if you're in a room that is 100 Amas, a very large room, you cannot say Shema until you take it out of that room. Or if you put it underneath the bed. We ask the question. Which way are we saying it? Are we saying that if it's on the other side of the bed, you can, as long as it's on the other side of the bed, you can say Shema immediately? Or do, and when it's on the same side of the bed as you, then you have to push the four Amas away from you and then you say Shema? Or do we say, if it's on the other side of the bed, then you still have to be four Amas away and then you can say Shema? Or, or if it's on the same side of the bed, then you can't even say it at all, right? Are we more stringent or less stringent? Tashma, we learned in Abraisa. Bring a proof. The Tanya, Rishim ben Elazar, and Rishim ben Elazar says, If it is on the other side of the bed, you can say Shema right away. But if it's on your side of the bed, then you have to stand four Amas away from it before you say Shema. Rishim ben Elazar, and Rishim ben Elazar says, Even if it is 100 Amas room, you shouldn't say Shema until you have taken it out. Or if you put it underneath the bed. Bayin, if Shita lan, Masnisa, so these these brayas seem to be contradictory because the opinions are switching from one brayas to the other. One brayas of Shimon Gamliel is the most stringent that no matter how big the room is, it's a problem. And the other brayas is the most lenient. And and Rishon Ben Elazar is also switching positions. In one place, he's the most stringent that as long as it's the largest room possible, still a problem. And the other brayas he says as long as it's on the other side of the bed, it's per- permitted. The Gemara says Eipach Basraisa. The Gemara says switch them around and say that the second brayas. Is really has the names attached to the wrong positions. And Shimon Elazar is again stringent, and Shimon Gamliel is again lenient. Machaz is the Afkas the best, right? So, why did the Gemara want to answer specifically to switch around the second Brysa in the names? Why don't we switch around the first Brysa in names? Ebach Gemaisa, switch around the first Brysa. Man Shamad Le'i Da'amar, Kula Baisak Arba Amas. Who is the opinion that an entire house is considered like one for Amas space? The opinion is Shimon Ben Elazar. It's Shimon Ben Elazar says the entire house is considered like one space. So we wanted, we know that elsewhere in Masechus Erev, and so we wanted it to stay consistent that Shimon Elazar is the stringent one here. Amar of Yisuf says, What's the halacha when you have a bed that the top of the bed is less than three tfachim above the ground? It is obvious to me that it's like lovud. It is considered that the space is closed up, and therefore the chamber pot that is of urine that is underneath the bed will be considered to be in a different space because the bed is closing it up. Shlisha Abra Khamisha Shisha Vishiva Shmaina Tisha Mao. What let's say three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. What's the halacha over there? When up the bed is three, four, five, six, seven, eight, or nine tvachim off the ground, what's the halacha? Amalayadana, he says, I don't know. Asaravade Lemi Bali. When it came to the bed being ten tvachim off the ground, I never even had any question. Why? It's very good that he didn't have a question. Once it gets to 10 Tvachim off the ground, it's clearly a different domain and it will not afford any protection at all. If it's less than 3 Tvachim off the ground, it definitely protects the chamber pot. If it's more than 10 Tvachim off the ground, it definitely does not protect us from the chamber pot. If it's from 3 to 10, that's where the question was. Between 3 and 10 Tvachim off the ground, is that protection or not? He did not resolve this question. And so too, he also said that if it's in the same house at all, you are going to need to take it out of the house or put it underneath the bed, which is less than, at least if you want to for sure be, be positive that it's okay, less than three tzvachim off the ground. Rav says, 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 Rav says,
and you're permitted to do so as long as you're on the other side of the bed. When in the topic of things that one is permitted to do in different types of rooms, depending on what's in the room. So up until now, we've been talking about something is in the room that is that is dirty, repulsive. And the question is, can you do something, Sheba Kedusha, something of holiness in that room? Now we're switching the topic. What happens like this? His son gets married to the daughter of Shmuel Bar Marta. They get married. And he was not successful at consummating this marriage. So the father went in to see what's going on over here. He went into the room when they weren't there. He saw there's a Sefer Torah in the room. He said, my son is not going to end up being in Sakana because he would have been in Sakana, right? You, we almost came very close to causing him to be in a terrible Sakana. The Tanya, what will be the Sakana? We learned in Abraisa. There's a house which include, which has in it, a room which has in it a Sefer Torah or Tefillin. You're forbidden to engage in marital relations until you either take them out of the house and out of the room or if you put them into a one container, one vessel on top of another vessel. Amr says, says there's a limitation on this. It can't just be one vessel on top of another vessel. It has to be that neither of those, I'm sorry, the, one of those vessels can be the vessel that is dedicated for holding this Torah or holding the tefillin. But it can't be that both of these vessels have been dedicated to that purpose because if so, then even two vessels is not going to protect it from the fact that you are engaged in marital relations, which is disrespectful to the Dabr Sheba Kedusha that's in your room. But with the vessel that is dedicated to hold it inside, even 10 different vessels would be considered as one vessel and would not be sufficient protection. And therefore, the halacha is that if you're in a house with tefillin, if you're in a room with tefillin or a Sefer Torah or Svarim, they have to be covered by two containers or two coverings if one wants to engage in marital relations in that situation. And not both, of these, not both those vessels can be vessels which are dedicated for that use. Good night.